This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we like to talk all things property and just cover off some of the things that have been happening in the news or maybe some tips and advice along the way. It's lovely having your company here on Manawatu People's Radio or wherever good podcasts are found. There's been lots going on and I've got a huge big, I'll just leaf through this huge big pile of paperwork we've got here. We're just going to talk about some of the articles that have been in the news. This one from newsroom.co.nz. This is an opinion piece by Bernard Hickey saying our housing market is too big to fail. So Bernard Hickey writes that the COVID-19 crisis has again proven there's one type of asset that New Zealanders know in their bones is too big and important to be allowed to crash and that's housing. So yet again, the housing market has outperformed all the understandably doomy and gloomy predictions of double-digit falls in the face of the worst economic crisis the world has seen since World War II, the article says. Now you might remember that uh, banks were predicting up to a 15% drop in the market and in fact he's talking uh, worldwide, saying that uh, deflation was tipped around the world but uh, in particular he talks about the lockdown in April and May that banks were saying a forecast 10 to 30% drop and unemployment was tipped to surge towards 15% and it seemed uh, the sensible thing to say given that New Zealand's housing market is the best performing in the world in the last 30 years that it was going to have a drop. And by both measures, our houses are insanely and impossibly inflated, just waiting for a mere scratch to burst the bubble and send prices 30 to 50% lower, he says. And there's, there's a whole lot of reasons why uh, that the market should fall. But he goes on to say, why hasn't it? Why didn't the housing market crash? And to put it simply, it's too big to fail and everyone knows it. And can bet on this market being the first to get bailed out by the government specifically and voters more generally. Just as it did during the global financial crisis, the Reserve Bank extended emergency credit lines to banks and slashed interest rates to support both the financial system and the economy. So we've got a whole lot of things in place um, that the government has been doing to try and keep the housing market going as it is such a huge market indeed. And this includes the likes of the mortgage holidays and so forth. Did you know that our housing market is worth $1.3 trillion and and collectively represents more than two-thirds of household wealth? So really if house prices fall, the wallets really get closed by people and many small businesses stop hiring. So his article talks all about how it's too big to fail. If you want to see that, that's on nznewsroom.co.nz. This article as well from Stuff, again, uh, talks about uh, will house prices rise and mortgage rates fall? This is an opinion piece by Sam Stubbs and he says the long-term investment I would always recommend is buying the most expensive home you can possibly afford and as soon as possible. Why? Because the odds are heavily stacked in your favour. There's no capital gains tax and mortgages are the cheapest lending available. Our population is rising and they don't make more land and because it's just so expensive to build there simply aren't enough houses. 
And the best reason of all is it's yours. No one can tell you to move out and you can get up and enjoy it every day. But where will the market go? With house prices and mortgage rates, if one goes up, the other usually goes down. Here's what's likely to be mortgage rates going down further and the house prices staying strong, the article says. So the Reserve Bank is signalling even lower interest rates and that's not really surprising because as long as inflation isn't here, they'll set official rates as low as possible to stimulate growth. They want us to spend money rather than save it, which includes buying houses. And that's why there's so many people out there looking to buy at the moment, uh, notwithstanding the supply and demand in many regions, um, Manawatu, Wanganui as an example, where uh, there's just too many people wanting to buy relative to the actual number of houses available. So inflation is also pretty low at the moment from an economic point of view, so things should stay low, making homes easier to buy for some time yet. Another article here from stuff.co.nz says New Zealand house sellers net a median 215,000 profit each, according to CoreLogic. Pretty interesting interesting headline. So Kiwis who sold their home for a profit between April and June made a median gain of $215,000. So for a period that included part of the Level 4 coronavirus lockdown, there was a decrease on the previous quarter's record of a $223,000 gain, but still higher than anything seen in late 2019. So it's really um, interesting to see that things are still still busy there. Um, some really big movement in property home house prices, and median house prices, and we've seen that evident in recent months. An ASB survey has shown that Kiwis are more confident about buying a house now. So the mood upon among Kiwis has improved dramatically about whether it's a good time to buy a house or not, according to ASB's latest housing confidence survey. So therefore, uh, the grim views during the deepest part of coronavirus level 4 meant the survey for the three months to July showed people ultimately believed house prices would fall. However, after the end of level 4, there was a swing in the outlook for house prices, and by July, more people believed prices would rise than fall. People's views on whether it was a good time to buy a house also changed sharply over that period. We've had We've had uh, for some time one of the most optimistic outlooks for house prices, having since lockdown been expecting expected a 6% overall decline in New Zealand-wide house prices. The, we now expect the housing market will perform better than that at around about a 3% decline. So interesting that they've surveyed people to see if they feel it's a good time to buy, and that has been increasing. Now the interesting thing here in Manawatu Wanganui, of course, is that house prices are continuing continuing to move up by in the region of 15 to 20% per year and that has been happening now for uh, a couple of years so uh, really it seems to still be a very good investment it's just a bit easier to get into properties although uh, the with the banks making it easier although I must say with the house prices going up that just means the deposit sizes need to be larger just in uh, local news here, Palmerston North, a water deal worth more than $9 million for Palmerston North has been signed. So that's a way of, uh, this is the upgrading of the water, stormwater and wastewater services. The City Council has agreed to sign a deal to qualify for the government money that will be allocated through the Department of Internal Affairs. And the funds come from the government's $761 million post-COVID-19 stimulus package. So it's designed to improve the standard of local councils' water pipes and plants, support the reform of water service delivery, and set up 
Taumata Arawai, the new waters services regulated. Regulator. And, and the Mayor Grant Smith has said that signing up the package was a no-brainer. It would help the council improve the quality of its assets and retain local ownership and recognised ratepayers alone could not afford the investment needed. The council did not yet know whether the water reforms and future money would help pay for its new wastewater management system, which will cost between $264 million and $765 million. And Smith said that the council have no trouble spending the first allocation of money wisely. Now, why is this important? These projects are large, large projects, and they bring a lot of people into the area, and that affects housing. We know there's a lot going on, including the Manawatu replacement, uh, Gorge Replacement Highway happening, the Kiwi Rail Hub, military moving personnel, um, things happening through Food HQ. There's a lot, lot going on. And this article here talks a bit about that. The Manawatu Gorge Replacement Highway hearings begins with airing of benefits of New Road. So this is an article that was in uh, Staff Under, the motoring section actually. So um, so that's where the there has been some hearings around the replacement highway just to make sure that things are okay with regards to the designs and so forth. Um, the Construction date, it's a little bit hard to know. It could. Um, it is expected to be in around 2024 uh, with regards to uh, things getting done there and people again moving into the area. It's interesting because uh, Ashurst residents have found that uh, 7,600 vehicles a day uh, that used the gorge had to now go through the village of Ashurst to get to the Saddle Road and that's something which uh, must be really really hard uh, for them and particularly people living in those streets nearby. So the gorge has actually been closed since April now of 2017 so really uh, looking forward to to getting things uh, moving along there. The Wanganui District Council, a little news here from Wanganui, uh, they're appointing a new role dedicated to housing as they look to implement some of the housing strategies. So last winter the district had an estimated 40 homeless people and a long waiting list for Kainga Ora homes and communities accommodation. There are another estimated 700 in insecure accommodations. So Wanganui councillors at their August 25th Strategy and Finance Committee meeting asked about other progress to alleviate the housing shortage. Safer Wanganui manager Lauren Tamihana told councillors this week that the underutilised land suitable for housing has been found but needed a legal process before it can be built on. Infill housing has been going gangbusters, according to council principal planner Hamish Lamp. In 2009, there were 35 applications to subdivide that resulted in 83 new sections for houses, and this year, 31 applications will result in 77 new lots. The councillor Philippa Baker-Hogan asked for a snapshot of how homeless people were faring, and uh, really it's just getting on the agenda there to create more housing. Wanganui has also uh, had a... Uh, quite an increase in people purchasing and uh, with regards moving into the area for something more affordable indeed. Another project here on the agenda is uh, around uh, Kapiti Coast. There's hundreds more people heading to Kapiti Coast as plans for a 300 home retirement village have been revealed. So Kapiti's baby boomer boom will continue with a 300 home retirement village planned for the grey ground zero of Waikanae, but its plans have upset residents in the neighbouring eco-hamlet. 
Somerset plans to build a retirement village near the Kapiti Expressway, which will have 300 homes on a 25-hectare site and include aged care and secure dementia facilities and would house about 400 retirees. The company's going to spend more than $150 million building the village, with the first stage planned to open in 2022. So residents at the neighbouring Ferndale eco-hamlet want to say in the consent application after discovering Somerset plan to use the suburb as a gateway to build up 133 new homes. So we'll just have to see where that goes, but certainly demand uh, there in Capity. And they've got the land there to, to build as well and to create that housing, so that's always good to see. So we're now going to take a little break and uh, have a little bit of music here. This is Daughtry with Home. Staring out into the night Trying to hide the pain I'm going to the place where love Feeling good don't ever cost a thing In the pain you feel's a different kind of pain And these 
It's Home by Daughtry, a bit of a song there just to get the, the beat going and the home. Uh, speaking of homes, there's a bit of news here that's really a little unusual and this uh, is an article from Dunedin from stuff.co.nz where a family lists a beautiful heritage listed church renovation in Dunedin after 10 years. So someone's done up a church beautifully there. Uh, friends of mine in, in Nid Realty are quoted in this, in this article. It says here that creative woodworker Richard Leahy has a clear passion for this huge restoration project. He spent several hours just sitting in the empty church to get a feel of the space before he started work. In this article, it is on the homed section uh, and stuff. It's well worth having a look. So Lee Overton and Ruth Manning fell in love with the former 19th century Mornington Presbyterian Church in Dunedin when it came on the market 10 years ago. They said it was an impulse that made them leave their comfortable villa and embark on on an ambitious building conversion to create a family home. It was love at first sight. Within a week of seeing the church, it was ours. The couple kindly let the congregation continue to hold services in the deconsecrated church after they become owners until a new church building was completed. So it's now been listed and unlike many church conversions this project retained all the gothic character of the church which was designed in 1880 by renowned Dunedin architect Robert Arthur Lawson who also designed Larnock Castle, First Church, the Dunedin Municipal Chambers, Otago's Boys High School and numerous banks. So he's credited with being the architect to have contributed most to Dunedin's Victorian architectural heritage. So there's the opportunity now to own some of this. So Overton says the plan was always to keep the essence of the church, which is 424 square metres. We didn't want to cut off any windows or do anything that would make the space enclosed permanently. While we did want to be able to close down parts of the interior at times, we wanted to be able to open it all up. Everything was already there, the patterns, shapes, pillars and curly rosettes. We followed through the whole theme of the crucifix. Even the church has a cruciform shape. So that's really cool. There's some cool photos there to see. Uh, That one is going to be, it's selling by deadline sale, uh, closing in September of, uh, mid-September of 2020. In other news, um, housing, a huge issue, supply of housing, this one uh, from stuff.co.nz, hundreds of apartments planned for a North Shore church site. So the Cross Harbour Cyclone Walkway and a 3.4 kilometre connecting network will be called the Northern Pathway and plans have been unveiled for 231 apartments to be built on the former Harbour's Edge church site on Auckland's North Shore. So this is a road that's a busy arterial route leading to the Northern Motorway and Harbour Bridge but they'll connect it uh, sustainably according to KBS Capital who's seeking resource consent. The proposed development is latest to be located close to key dedicated public transport routes which is something that the government wanted to be able to happen. So Transport Advocacy Group Greater Auckland has backed both the apartment concepts because of their proximity to alternatives to the private motorcar. It's a site that already has good quality public transport on its doorstep and soon will have the Northern Pathway too, as well as plans to improve cycling connections down the Devonport Peninsula. So KBS Capital has proposed the first stage of development to be 150 managed hotel-style short-term units with 81 apartments in Stage 2. So that's something to watch the space on the Auckland 
Auckland skyline potentially. So this now relating to landlords, this article here from stuff.co.nz says that property investors' online chats spark a price-fixing reminder. So property investors in online chat forums have been reminded that they must not work together to set rents in a coordinated way. There are a range of online chat groups and pages used by New Zealand property investors to discuss issues relating to property investment and management of rental properties. A Commerce Commission spokesman said the Commission had written to a number of property investment industry representatives regarding conduct on online forums that could breach the Commerce Act. It is understood that this relates to comments from investors suggesting they could increase rents in tandem to reduce tenants' ability to avoid the hikes. The Commerce Commission has not revealed the names of the parties or the online forums involved. No official warning or formal enforcement tool of the Commission has been issued. We note that property investors can be in competition with each other for the supply of rental properties and be carrying on business and trade. Property investors should make independent pricing decisions about rent and rent increases to avoid breaching the cartel prohibition in the Act. The penalties for cartel conduct are severe, up to $500,000 for an individual and up to either $10 million or three times a commercial gain or 10% of turnover per year for businesses. So from April next year, cartel conduct will be a criminal offence with potential jail terms of up to seven years. And in 2019, Auckland company Renovation Limited was fined $400,000 in the High Court after it admitted to price fixing in Auckland's residential real estate market. Finally, just a little bit more on tenancy-related matters. Uh, looking at the Residential Tenancy Act changes and how, uh, just a reminder of what's happening there, that there were law changes that took effect on the 12th of August 2020. And the one that's probably relating to most property owners that might be listening to the show is that rent increases. So the rent increases are now limited to once every 12 months, and that's a change from once every six months. So there's currently a freeze on rent increases with none allowed until after the 25th of September 2020. That's to do with COVID. However, when those changes come along, you need to be able to look back retrospectively to see whether and when the last change took place. If it was within 12 months, you have to allow for that so that the new change doesn't go up within a 12-month period. Now the second phase which takes effect of these changes is actually on the 11th of February 2021 and this is the changes that are both most talked about I guess in the media. There's the security of rental tenure which is that landlords will not be able to end a periodic tenancy without cause by providing a 90 days notice. There will be new termination grounds available to landlords under a periodic tenancy and the required notice periods have changed. So this is the one that's turned up in the media quite a lot where um, the 90-day notice uh, for landlords was something that was not misused uh, very often at all and there was a mechanism in place in the Tennessee Tribunal to ensure that it wasn't. But however, uh, landlords would occasionally use it to move on tenants who were maybe um, causing problems for neighbours and, and those sorts of things and that's now uh, going to be gone from February of next year. Uh, tenants will be allowed to make minor changes to a property and the landlords cannot decline it if the change is minor. And uh, there's, a, there's a process to go through around that for tenants to request a change and then a landlord to, um, to respond. Another one is uh, around the fibre and broadband. Uh, landlords must agree that it can be installed if it's at no cost to them 
unless specific exemptions apply. So in other words, um, tenants, that comes under that sort of minor changes really. A few other things as well relating to privacy are, are in there, thrown in for good measure. One is that if you take a case to Tenancy Tribunal and you win, your name can be suppressed. In other words, so that's not... Um, because Tenancy Tribunal orders can be searched by landlords when deciding on whether to put tenants into properties. So if tenants have a history of taking landlords to court, they argue uh, there's a chance that landlords would not want to put them into a property uh, to avoid future potential problems. So they're um, then allowing from February of next year for those names to be suppressed. As well as that, that uh, may affect um, the ability of landlords to search uh, for people, but you can understand where they are coming from with that. Another one is around privacy. Uh, bigger pardon, assignment of tenancies, I should say. The last one was about privacy. Assignment of tenancies, um, that means that tenants can pass their tenancy on to another person and the landlord cannot decline that unreasonably. So one of the upsides is that there'll be less vacancies. However, if the requirements uh, for this is low, um, then then it's really not making um, much, uh, not giving the landlord much choice to be able to to decline a tenant. Um, There still needs to be a vetting standard in place, but landlords cannot deny someone the ability to pick up a tenancy from somebody else unreasonably. So we'll just have to see how that one unfolds. It's a little bit of a tricky one there. Other than that, that's probably the uh, the changes that are coming up. Like I say, the only one you need to worry about at the moment are rent increases. My advice is if you're unsure about whether you can do one at the moment or whether you could give notice at the moment, just contact a real estate professional who might be able to give you some thoughts on the timing or contact uh, Tenancy Tribunal on 0800 Tenancy. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Property Matters this week and we look forward to catching up with you next week. Have a wonderful week in property. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the KiwiFruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.